0: Hi, this is Kyle. Sorry I missed your call. I'll give you a call back as soon as I can. Thanks. Have a good day. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options.
1: Hey, Kyle. It's Austin.
2: Uh, Let's do a podcast. This is The Show with Austin Huff. A late-night talk show podcast for your ears. Hopefully the podcast is more clever than its name. Listen up, podcast voiceover guy.
1: You want to take this outside? I I will go. I will take... I I am not afraid to throw down. You son of a... Welcome into the show. My name is Austin Huff. You can follow me on Twitter at Austin Huff. A few quick things about me. I love pumpkin spice lattes, but I absolutely hate the early unveiling of pumpkin spice lattes. I'd say we shouldn't get them until at least Christmas decorations are already on the shelves. But Christmas decorations are probably already on the shelves. And I spent a lot of my time, and probably too much of my time, thinking about whatever happened to Pacers great Austin Crozier. I can't believe it, we're four episodes deep already. I now have more podcasts than there are Rush Hour movies. I have more podcast episodes than the Sex Pistols or Jeff Buckley have studio albums. I have more podcast episodes than I have Friends. We can unpack that baggage at a later date. My goal is to get at least as many podcasts as there are Saw movies. And if I reach that, then Medea movies. This week's guest is Minnesota Twins starting pitcher Kyle Gibson. Now, if you remember, the first two episodes I had musicians, which was just completely by chance. Last week's episode and this week's episode, my guests are named Kyle. Again, by chance. Or is it? No, It, it is. I think you're going to enjoy my conversation with him. We talk baseball, baseball movies, uh, video games, and bubblegum. Kyle reveals some pretty shocking developments in the world of Big League Chew. So, at least they were shocking developments that I didn't know about. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe. uh, Rate the podcast. Leave a review, please. I'd love—in fact, I'd love for you to leave a review for this podcast saying— salmon swimming backwards once again that's salmon swimming backwards if you have the apple podcast app it takes like two seconds to leave a review so please I'd love for you to help this podcast out by leaving one and then you can go about your day I won't even bug you again or or ever talk to you again unless of course you get continued on this podcast Then then I'll talk to you every every week but please leave a review Also, be sure to share this podcast with a friend. I know I say it every week, but honestly, word of mouth is the best way for this podcast to grow. So please, tell your friends. If they like sports or pop culture or any of the things we talk about on the show, I think they'll really like this show. Uh, And if you you don't like this show, then again, I ask you, give it another week. Because it's only going to get better. So with that all said, without any further ado, let's go ahead and start the show.
2: You're listening to The Show with Austin Huff. In case you didn't pick up on it from the title, it's a show with Austin Huff.
1: The AP released their preseason top 25 this week, and there are a few things in sports more pointless heck there are a few things in life more pointless like windshield wipers on your expensive cars headlights think preseason college football rankings are pointless don't agree with me just ask 2007 michigan
2: here we go they're gonna kick the field goal good snap good hold and the kick is blocked appalachian state
1: is it appalachian or appalachian
2: has stunned the college football one of the greatest upsets in sports history. Michigan was
1: ranked fifth in the country when FCS, or Division One AA as it was called back in the day, rest in peace, Appalachian State came in and knocked them off. Or is it Appalachian State? Or is it French? Appalachian State. 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 That's more Spanish, I think. That Michigan team finished that year unranked. Thanks for nothing, Mike Hart. And don't even get me started on Lloyd Carr, who was fired after the year. Which ultimately led to Brady Hoke. I mean, I'm not a Michigan fan at all, but that has to hurt. So without preseason rankings, one of the greatest upsets in sports history. One of the greatest upsets in sports history. Doesn't even happen. And it's just another loss for Michigan, which they have become so used to over the last few years. So you can kind of see why preseason rankings mean so little. I mean, preseason rankings are the wrapping paper of college football. Just give me the gift that is college football. We're just going to throw these rankings away once the season starts anyway. Plus, it only makes it harder for unranked teams to get into the nightclub that is top 25 college football rankings. All because of this preseason guest list. I mean, this club runs on a one-in, one-out basis. And it usually takes at least two losses, sometimes even three, for a highly ranked team to get kicked out of the top 25 nightclub altogether. Meanwhile, you've got teams like Boise State and UCF and Houston who have a hard time cracking the top 10 because they started the preseason ranked like 52 or something. And don't get me started that they don't deserve to be in or they don't play in a tough conference. If it was easy to go undefeated, more teams would do it. It's not. And most of the time, these guys prove that the strength of a conference means nothing once it comes time to bowl season. My solution Give us a ranking two or three weeks into the season. Watch everyone play a game or two before you start ranking them based off of last year's merits or historical success. This is college football, not BuzzFeed. Not everything needs to be ranked right away. And better yet, make the rankings fluid. If a team is ranked third this week, but they lose, allow them to drop out of the top 25 altogether. If there are other non-ranked teams that are undefeated and deserve to be ranked higher, let them. So, look, congrats, Alabama. You're number one again. Awesome. But it doesn't matter. I mean, all that matters is the college football playoff rankings anyway, right? And Alabama proved last year that you can lose in the final week of your season and not even go to your conference championship and still get in the playoff and win a national title. Look, Alabama was the best team last year, no question about it. But did they deserve to be there? Yeah, you could argue they didn't. So just know, these preseason rankings, yeah, they're about as useful as the select buttons on Nintendo controllers. Or lifeguards at the swimming events in the Olympics, which, that's actually a real thing. Or the how about the scroll lock key on your PC keyboard? So thanks for setting the precedent for the rest of the college football season before any games were played,
2: AP. Not. More of the show still to come. If you haven't already fallen asleep.
1: Okay, so a few weeks ago, I gave a movie review for a movie I have not seen yet. Uh, The movie was Mission Impossible Fallout, the sixth movie in this uh, movie's franchise. And, well, I'm glad to say that I have finally seen it. And, well... I have a few spoiler-free observations from it. Uh, If you haven't seen the movie yet, don't worry. These are just general observations and more so questions from the movie that really could be made for any Mission Impossible movie, specifically the last three or four. If you've seen any, then you'll be able to follow along because you'll know that most of the time it's up to Ethan Hunt to save the world in these movies. And despite how it sounds, saving the world is no small task. It requires a lot out of someone, and usually requires a lot out of someone in a small amount of time. Which makes me wonder my first question. When does Ethan Hunt sleep? I know the mission Ethan Hunt is given in each film is what the movie is named after. It's the impossible mission. But really, I think the impossible mission is Ethan Hunt finding some time to catch some shut-eye. Seems like this guy is always either working on a mission or en route to Beijing or London or Paris or Dubai to accomplish said mission. And he just, like, has just enough time to accomplish the task. It always comes down to, like, the final seconds. So when does he snooze? Like, if it was me, I would literally put my nap first before I did my work. I'm just kind of a procrastinator that way. But Ethan, I guess, doesn't have that luxury because if he does, then the whole world blows up or something so i guess my problem is he should look a lot more tired than he does in these movies i mean i can barely function without a mid-afternoon nap on some days and this dude is bare knuckle brawling with trained assassins from mumbai so when does hunt nap and i'm not just talking cat naps he does get a few of those in in the most recent mi movie spoiler warning (laughs) okay that's not giving anything away oh man you just ruined the whole movie for me but when he does get some shut-eye, he's almost always woken up by a bad dream. So even when he does have time to hit that REM, is he able to sleep soundly with his PTSD? Which I totally get it. He should have PTSD from nearly getting decapitated by a helicopter in MI1. Or going Spider-Man up a building in Ghost Protocol. Or growing his hair out to the last samurai length in MI2. Because that 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 honestly might be the most upsetting thing he's done in any of these MI movies. If you've noticed, he hasn't had hair that long since MI2. So, just saying. Remember in Mission Impossible 2 and like, Limp Biscuit scored pretty much the entire movie? Classic. And it's not like he can catch sleep on his flights to and from these places. Because he always has to, like, debrief the team on what the mission is and what their plan is and how they're going to execute it. So the whole when does Ethan Hunt sleep question is, is probably my main question about this entire franchise. My next question is... When does this guy get his suits tailored, and when does he pick them up, all right? In most MI films, Ethan Hunt is rocking a well-tailored suit. Like, I'm talking fresh off the pages of GQ or, or the window posters of a men's warehouse. You, you guys know what I'm talking about. My question is, when does he have time to run errands for himself when he's always running errands to save the world for the IMF and the U.S. government? I mean, he has to get sized up for the jacket, for the pants, for everything. And then he has to wait a few days for it to be taken in. And then think about paying for the tailored suit. I mean, if his tailor has one of those chip readers, he's screwed. Because that's at least like a half hour right there. Those freaking chip readers suck. Like, take me for example. I had weeks of doing nothing before my wedding. And my suit was still pretty baggy and wasn't near as well fitted as the ones he rocks. As for him... He has like 15 minutes to hack into the Russian intelligence mainframe while fighting a troop from an Egyptian SWAT team. And to hack into the mainframe, he has to turn on the internet router, which is for some reason located on the bottom of the world's largest ocean liner, which is sailing in the middle of the Arctic Ocean in waters cold enough to freeze fire. And he has to do it all before attending a gala on said ocean liner for the ambassador of Nigeria to celebrate his upcoming nuptials with the princess of Yemen. And yet he still has time to get a suit for said gala, looking like he was ripped off the page of some Express for Men ad. Look, is he going to be able to hack into the mainframe before the gala? Not sure. But is he going to like the way he looks? I guarantee it. My final question, and this isn't just a question for Mission Impossible, but a lot of movies. But whenever they are tailing a subject, and more specifically tailing a subject while they eat at a restaurant, my question is, how do they always just happen to get a table next to or near the subject? Like if their subject is seated out on the patio, how do they never get seated inside in the back of the restaurant near the restrooms? I mean, we all know patio seating usually has a longer wait. So what if their subject was finished with their meal by the time they finally get seated? It just always works out that they're seated close to their subject and at the right time. I mean, as a guy who used to work in the restaurant industry, I can attest to how unlikely that is. Sure, Tom Cruise defying the laws of f- physics when he's hanging off of a helicopter or off the side door of a cargo plane is unlikely, but defying the laws of restaurant seating physics is even more unlikely and unbelievable. It's the impossible of Mission Impossible. Like, just once, I want the tail to come into the restaurant and be like, uh, yeah, I need some patio seating, uh, preferably the next to those people right there, and, like, the host to come back with, it's going to be like a 45 to an hour wait for patio seating. You could sit at the bar. Look, we had Ghost Protocol, we had Rogue Nation, and now we had Fallout. I'd be okay with the next MI film being Mission Impossible errands. It's just a movie of Ethan Hunt doing the stuff he does when he's not on screen for the other movies. You know, like, like kind of like a behind-the-scenes type movie. You know, like Ethan Hunt sleeping on a plane. I'd watch that for eight hours if he does sleep that long. He would probably, probably be like more like 15 minutes. I mean, I, I want to see Ethan Hunt getting his suit tailored. I want to see Ethan Hunt waiting at the host stand with one of those light-up vibrating coasters for a table on the patio to come available. I mean, like, I want to see Ethan Hunt running to Home Depot for some supplies and then waiting in line to purchase those supplies. I want to see Ethan Hunt eating at a Taco Bell because everywhere else is closed. You know he gets down with a lot of fourth meals in these movies. I mean, I want to see Ethan Hunt borrowing someone's phone charger and then looking for an open outlet at an airport terminal. I want to see Ethan Hunt have a game night with the rest of the IMF crew. Because let's be honest, you don't get to be that close without a little team building. You know they all have get-togethers for cocktails and Jenga, or Scrabble, or Pictionary. You can tell Luther's a big Pictionary guy. So to Paramount Pictures, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to make this happen. Boom.
2: Show with Austin Huff. Now it's time for a conversation with a guest who's much more interesting than Austin.
1: All right, my guest this week was drafted 22nd overall by the Minnesota Twins in the 2009 MLB Amateur Draft. He's currently 7-9 with a really nice 3.51 ERA, and he's currently sitting in 144 strikeouts, which is two away from a career high, but who's counting? His Twins are currently in second place in the AL Central, but he's probably most known for always, always getting picked off by yours truly in football games on Stankowski Field at the University of Missouri. Seriously it, it was it was bad like upwards I'm we're talking like upwards of 4 or 5 times a game um, I mean just a just Nothing poor guy Yeah you can you can follow him on Twitter at uh, K-Gib 44, that's K-G-I-B 44, which honestly sounds like a really kick-ass radio station. K-G-I-B, like, welcome back to K-G-I-B, playing all the hits from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and today. My guest is Kyle Benjamin Gibson. Kyle, thank you for joining me. How are you, man?
0: Man, I'm doing good. And I was actually throwing a football the other day. And uh, same old, same old, throwing, missing high and right. Yeah, right into the DB's arm. So that, you nailed it.
1: That's weird because I was catching these random footballs the other day, and I was like, what? "Man, <laughs> Kyle must be throwing a football somewhere because they just always <laughs> seem to end up in my hands." We we had some uh, we had some pretty good uh, pickup games of football back in the day.
0: Man, we had some fun going out there on Sankowski Field there in Missouri, and uh, gosh, it was a lot of fun. Sometimes as athletes as you knew, man, we just. Didn't really feel like real students, you know, with all the practices and stuff like that. So being able to go out there and, uh, you know, play some flag football with other students was a lot of fun.
1: Right. For sure, dude. Okay. So this podcast originates in the city of St. Louis, Missouri, which uh, you're somewhat familiar with. Uh, So I have to start off by asking, what high school did you go to? Uh,
0: I went to a high school in Indianapolis is where I grew up, uh, just east of Indianapolis, Greenfield, Indiana. I went to Greenfield Central High School.
1: Yes, the 1973 uh, state football champs, right? Sure. <laughs> yep. Yep, that's yeah, what I thought. Did, uh,
0: that's a great Wikipedia line right there. I love it.
1: Yeah, dude, I trust me, I did a little bit of research on your high school a and there prep. and there are two notable alumni listed for uh Greenville Central High School. Number one, former co SEC men's basketball player of the year from the University of Tennessee, Mike Edwards. And can you guess number two?
0: Uh, I guess Kyle Gibson,
1: Kyle Gibson, former Mizzou and current (laughs) twin starting pitcher, first round pick, dude, that's pretty awesome. There of all the people that have gone to your high school. You're one of two.
0: Well, uh, have you ever been to Greenfield?
1: Uh, I have not. I've been to Indianapolis many times. I love Indianapolis.
0: Greenfield's about 25 miles east. Uh, you can always see a cornfield no matter where you are in Greenfield. So uh, the number of students and the uh, it's it's not going to be surprising if you saw saw the area.
1: Well, hey, you know what? They, I'm pretty sure you could see a cornfield from anywhere you're standing at Field of Dreams, and some pretty legendary people played there. So.
0: <laughs> no, you're right. Uh,
1: I read somewhere. No, right. I read somewhere that in high school you were eight and six as a senior with a 0.98 ERA and 140 strikeouts. Kyle, my question is how bad was your team's offense? You had a sub one ERA and you were only eight and six. Uh
0: so we had a time we started the year, I believe, nine and ten, and we finished up in the Elite Eight with a record of twenty one and eleven. So we struggled early, uh, and then we picked it up and I think I won uh six of those uh, eight or nine wins in the last uh, three weeks of the season.
1: My goodness. And you, you were a pretty solid hitter in high school, too, right?
0: Uh, I was the leadoff hitter. I was the slappy guy. You know, even though I was 6'3", uh, no pop in my bat, so I was the leadoff guy trying to get on base.
1: Now, so you're you are an American League guy. Do you miss hitting?
0: Oh, absolutely I do. I oh. had, uh, had a chance to do a one game this year, and uh, I absolutely miss it.
1: <laughs> oh, man. So, so you know, there's there's all this talk right now about you know like oh is the National League gonna adopt the the DH? What, how do you feel about that?
0: Uh, I don't really like it. I mean, I think uh, you know you have two separate games. You have you know managers that have to do things a little bit different. Uh, you know, just creates a a few different scenarios that you know kind of bring you back to the roots of the game a little bit. And and uh, man, I I like hitting. So so I'm to to keep the pitcher hitting for sure
1: would you if so if you got if somehow you got traded to a national league team you'd be all for it right
0: oh all for the dh or all for hitting
1: no all for hitting
0: oh yeah just don't i'm i'm not that good of a bunner, so i'm gonna need to work on that but uh yeah i'm all for standing in the box and and uh it's a little scary at first getting used to it but it's fun
1: yeah. Well, yeah. I'd I'd cons- I I I'd, I'd just imagine you'd be you'd be the the American Shohei Ohtani.
0: No, no not at all. Like sorry, said, no sorry, sorry. More, more
1: the American Shohei Ohtani with more power. I guess I should have said. <laughs> I should have clarified.
0: Well, I mean, close, but close, but not really.
1: All right, Kyle. I I want to hop in a DeLorean or a phone booth or a hot tub or Oceanic Flight Eight One Five. What whatever your w- preferred method of time travel may be, and I want to go back to the date June twenty ninth, two thousand thirteen. Do you remember that day?
0: Yeah, I do. Very, very vividly.
1: What 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 happened on that day?
0: Uh, that was the first day that I uh, took a big league mound and, and uh, had a chance to pitch in a big
1: league game. Dude, okay. So, and it was, uh, you were get, playing the, the Kansas City Royals. What, were you in Kauffman?
0: Uh, no, we were at home at Target Field.
1: Okay. So, take me through what was going through your mind when <laughs> you're like towing the rubber for your very first Major League Baseball game?
0: I knew I was going to throw a fastball first pitch and try to throw a strike. And I didn't know if I was going to throw a two-seamer or a four-seamer. And Alex Gordon takes a huge hack on the first pitch and flies out to the wall <laughs> in left field. And I was just thankful that the ball stayed in the yard because it was my first pitch. And that would have been a tough way to start. But, man, it was a—it uh, was kind of a whirlwind, you know. Um, just coming back from Tommy John that last year and throwing a little bit in AAA to start the year and then getting the call up and, and – uh it was just pretty cool. You know, I had three or four days to prepare for it. Uh had a lot of family and friends that either drove up or flew up, and, uh, you know, it was just a really special moment. Do you remember your skyline? line? Uh, I believe it was something like six innings, uh, a couple runs, uh, and I actually did get the win. So, uh, other than that, I don't remember too much about the stat line.
1: Yeah, six innings. You gave up two runs on eight hits. You walked none. Struck out five. And yes, your first major league win against. Now, keep in mind this this is not this was a Royals lineup that was nothing to balk at. It was it was a Royals lineup that just two years later would <laughs> win a World Series. So, you know, we're talking Alex Gordon, Sal Perez, uh, Eric Hosmer. Um, uh, uh, who uh, Mike Mustakis, like, like just big name guys, and uh, you you get to face those dudes for your your very first start in the bigs. Like, man, just just sweating bullets, right?
0: Yeah, I kind of was. I mean, uh, and it was a team that you know, I knew a little bit about, obviously going to Missouri. So right, um, right. You know, seeing all the Royals fans and the Cardinals. I mean, I if I had faced the Cardinals, that probably would have been the only other team that. Uh, probably would have been a little bit more nerve-wracking but uh yeah i mean that was pretty fun to, to do it against the team you know from missouri that you hear a lot about and we played at Kauffman stadium every year as well so um you know getting to do it against them was pretty cool
1: now was was aaron crow on that team
0: uh i
1: believe he was actually i believe he was in the bullpen yeah did and did you play with him at mizzou
0: yeah i did for two years yep
1: okay man so jeez just talk about just the wealth of talent, uh, wealth of baseball talent that the, 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 the University of Missouri produces. We've got Kyle Gibson, Aaron Crow, and Austin Huff, who had to resort to just talking about baseball. Just an incredible, incredible lineup. Hey, Kyle, I'd like to play a game with you. Is that cool? Yeah,
0: sounds good.
1: All right. How, first of all, how, how well do you know the Twins?
0: <laughs> um i mean i i think fairly well but i don't want to say too well considering i'm very to be asked trivia questions i guess
1: okay well that's actually what the name of the game is called it's called how well do you know the twins i'm going to oh read my. you some descriptions of some of the most famous twins and you have to tell me who they are, are you ready
0: yep sounds good
1: all right The uh, number one This twin only played three seasons in Minnesota but won a silver slugger in his first year there and actually has his number retired by the Brewers in neighboring Wisconsin. And he was named to Major League Baseball's all-time team, which was a team chosen in 1997 to uh, to comprise the top players at each position. He was chosen for the designated hitter. His nickname is the Igniter. Who is this?
0: Come on! Are you kidding
1: me? Yeah, no. Who is it? Paul Mulder, man. <laughs> nice, Paul Come Mulder, on. current current skipper, current current boss man, right?
0: Yeah, are you kidding me?
1: Now does I he these get harder? Did, did well? <laughs> all right, fine, <laughs> fine. Does does he ever flash that all all time team badge like around the clubhouse? Uh, like you know, like whenever someone no, like claps back at a decision, like he can just say like, you know, uh, uh, hey, <laughs> hey hey buddy and he just points to every, himself and just like all-time team here
0: every now and then he uh he slashes a little bit of humor about you know when he played and uh you know whether it's number of hits or something like that he'll say you know yeah i did that a few times and everybody will get a little bit of a laugh out of it but I'm always one of the more humble guys uh, that i've been around and uh man he he uh, that's probably something that i would never see him do and if he's doing it he's doing it out of a out of a complete humor that's for sure
1: okay all right all right. Well, you uh I'll see if I can uh ramp up the toughness from here on out. Uh this okay. this twin, this twin played running back for the New York Giants while his brother played cornerback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
0: Oh, that's uh hold on. Which one do you want to know? With the Giants one or the Buccaneers one?
1: The Giants one.
0: Oh, the Giants. That's uh Giants is uh Tiki Barber.
1: Tiki nice try. Tiki Barber. That is correct, sir.
0: Yeah, nice try. I had him on my fantasy team once, I think.
1: Oh yeah, he was great. He fumbled fumbled a bit, but then once he, uh, he he changed up his grip on the on the football, he started uh-huh. uh, the the fumbles like almost.
0: What is, what is it? The four point the four diminished. point grip. You want to have four points of contact to your body.
1: Well, at Mizzou, we learned the five points of contact. You got your fingertips, yeah. your palm, your forearm, your bicep, and your chest. A lot of people miss out on the chest. You got to keep it tight. Got to keep it up, upright and tight and what if, good ball what if leverage. In
0: my case and, what if you're in my case and you don't have biceps?
1: Uh, ooh, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you that. Trouble. Yeah, let me send All a right. few emails out uh, to some former coaches and see if uh, we can okay. maybe work out another. Maybe for you it is only four points of contact.
0: <laughs> maybe that's what I was thinking.
1: Yeah. All right, number three, this twin played seven seasons in Minnesota and was one of the four twins nicknamed the Piranhas by then Chicago White Sox manager Ozzie Guillen. He represented Team Italy in the 2009 World Baseball Classic, and he is often referred to by many, or just me, as the greatest baseball player of all time. His nickname is the Shredder. Gary Gaietti. Oh, get out of here with that. Come on. The greatest what? baseball player of all time.
0: Well, I just thought that was a joke.
1: No, no, no. He,
0: uh, the uh, shredder? I, all right, so so read that to me again.
1: This twin played seven seasons in Minnesota okay. and was one of yep. four twins nicknamed the Piranhas by then Chicago White Sox manager Ozzie oh. Gian. He represented Team Italy in his 2009 World Baseball Classic, and he is often referred to by many... And by many, I mean just me. As the greatest baseball player of all time, his nickname is The Shredder.
0: <laughs> all right, I'm trying to think of Team Italy. Um, I mean, the only other guy I think of on Team Italy is Drew Butera.
1: Ooh, that man, great. Drew Butera's great. Great guess. Yeah, you got to think of, since it's Team Italy, that kind of gives you a hint. Like, their name is probably going to end in a vowel.
0: Man, I don't know. This is a twin that I that I don't know.
1: He he was a twin before uh before you arrived. The answer, Sir Nick Punto.
0: Oh, Nick Punto, that that's right. He is a shredder. You're yeah. right.
1: Yeah, and he's I messed that up. Uh, he's just a legend. He's he's yep. in he my opinion,
0: absolute the, legend. You're just right.
1: the best. Like people say Babe Ruth, I always argue. I counter with Nick Punto. Number. You would
0: love to hear some legendary Nick Punto stories as well.
1: Oh, I would, I would die. He's a legend. I would die to hear some Nick Punto stories. I'm, yeah, he's I, a legend. I was when I was looking this up the other day. I was so disappointed to find out he, he was gone before before you uh, before you got called up to Minnesota. So I was like so devastated because I was like I've <laughs> got it. The
0: legend lives on. I was gonna. Me.
1: I, trust me, half of my prep was gonna be all about Nick Punto. <laughs> number. I love it. Number love four. It. This twin, along with her sister, teamed up to play the role of Michelle in the 1990s hit TV sitcom Full House.
0: Uh, Kate. Olsen. What was it? Uh, the Olsen twins.
1: Yeah. Well, which one?
0: Oh gosh. Oh man, Miss. Uh, see, it's Mary Kate and Ashley. Oh, gosh. I mean, we'll
1: go uh, uh, Mary-Kate. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking for Ashley. They both they both played Michelle, <laughs> but I was looking for Ashley. So that was close. Of course
0: you were. Of was, course you were.
1: <laughs> it was close. <laughs>
0: Dang.
1: Uh, number five, this twin, along with his brother, created the website Connect You, which is believed to be the basis of the hit website Facebook.
0: Oh, oh gosh. Oh, it's one of the, uh, it's, uh, one of the, the Winklevosses or something, right? (laughs) Oh, man. I, I don't know, man. I don't know their first names.
1: I would have accepted Uh, Cameron.
0: Winklevoss. Winkle Voss, uh number one. Cam was it Cam Winkelhous?
1: That that was one, but I was actually looking for Tyler Voss Well, I,
0: I heard you say Cam. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, Cam.
1: that was nice. That was nice. I I am picking up what you're uh, what you're putting down. Very close on that one. That's uh, I like I I like how you uh, clown me for the first twin question. And here you are. You've only gotten one since then, but uh,
0: but who's, who's I've been close on all of them. Who's keep- except for Nick Punto. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, which was literally the only other Minnesota twin question. Uh, this twin and his brother first starred in a shared role as Frankenstein in the Adam Sandler film Big Daddy and then moved on to their own separate roles in the Disney Channel original series The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody.
0: Now, this one, I have no idea. Yeah, this... I know who you're talking about, but I have no idea of his name. But I mean, what a movie in Big Daddy! Great right? movie. Great movie, but you got me on that one.
1: Uh, I was uh, Cole or Dylan Sprouse would have been an acceptable answer.
0: The, the, Hold on, you were going to take either of those answers for that one, but when I say Mary Kate, you specifically wanted Ashley.
1: Yeah, me. sorry, man. I, You're I hey, getting
0: a little suspect.
1: Look, I didn't write the rules, man. <laughs> I didn't. Well, I mean, getting I did.
0: Getting a little suspect.
1: I did write the rules, but all right. How about this? this it's, I'm telling you, it's, it's only getting harder from here. These twins would walk 500 miles, and they would walk 500 more just to be the men who walked 1,000 miles to fall down at your door.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, that's a set of twins, huh?
1: Yeah, I know. Surprising.
0: I mean, the song is going to be stuck in my head for the rest of the day, but I don't know who you're talking
1: about.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, I got nothing. But the song, I mean, I would start singing it, but people would probably turn off the podcast.
1: <laughs> uh, Charlie and Craig Reed, or better known as oh, the Proclaimers, the Scottish folk, folk and rock duo. They were uh, yeah. huge on the Benny and June soundtrack way back when. Quite uh, the duo. Quite the duo. Quite the quite the catchy song. Because that's, like you said, like that's a song that you hear it once and it'll be stuck in your head for the rest of the day.
0: Yeah, next time we do this podcast, if I'm invited back, it'll still be stuck in my head.
1: <laughs> uh, the next question, or final one, last one. This twin is actually not very well known. But his brother, Perfect. but his brother is, and he lives his life a quarter mile at a time.
0: Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh jeez! Oh man! Uh, I have a feeling when you say the answer, I'm going to be like, "Oh, of course it is." But uh, I got nothing, man.
1: I was looking. I, I was looking for the answer, Paul Sinclair. Whose twin <laughs> brother is Vin Diesel? Oh my gosh. Of course. I kind of feel like if if your twin brother like gets like a stage name or like a name like Vin Diesel, you should at least uh-huh. like you should also adopt that stage name, just so like people no aren't doubt. thrown off like that. And if you look yeah, up if no you doubt. look up pictures of them, Paul Sinclair looks nothing like Vin Diesel. Like it's it's, <laughs> it, hmm. like clearly must have been like fraternal twins not just from the looks department but from like the lifting weights department as well
0: sure sure that happens
1: yeah which that happens while we're on the subject of twins i feel like i should also point out scarlett johansson also has a twin which doesn't get talked about enough um
0: is it her brother
1: yeah i think it is i think it is a, a i think it is a boy twin
0: could be could be it
1: imagine if ScarJo was your twin sister you know, like I feel like every like anyone who has a sister like always like kind of has to defend, you know, like you know, like it always look out for them and like if guys are like you know like trying to hit on them, you always have to like kind of stick up for your sister. Imagine yeah. if if like l- if literally every guy in America was trying to hit on your sister because your sister Scarlett Johansson.
0: Oof, that'd be tough.
1: Yeah, it would be tough. You know, you
0: know what I had to deal with with my sister. Not only was she an amazing sister, and just Really pretty, but she was better at softball than I was at baseball. So, on the back of one of my first baseball cards, my sister got mentioned for being her conference player of the year in softball. She was that good. (laughs) I'm serious. I love that
1: it's like literally like every guy dreams of having a baseball card, like an actual one, not like the ones you like pay on like photography day at like your little league team, but like an actual baseball card. And you finally actually did achieve that. And yet your sister is mentioned on the back.
0: <laughs> yeah. His sister played softball at Transylvania and was the conference player of the year. Well, like she, she broke a bunch of records. She was the she was the best.
1: She was she played at Transylvania. Yep. Yep.
0: Is, in Lexington, Kentucky. Is she good. a is she a vampire? She is thankfully not. No, she's thankfully not.
1: All right. That's yeah, I guess that's good. I didn't want to like have yeah. like some like twilight situation on her hands where like Turns out, like, you're actually Ed Cullen or something, and you're, <laughs> your skin, like, twinkles in the sunlight or something. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Uh, it is pretty fair skin because of the red hair and freckles, but I am not a vampire.
1: Yeah, very fair skin, which which is a, probably a good thing you ended up in, in Minnesota. Correct. Yeah. Um Now, uh, Kyle, going back to baseball after that great twin discussion— um, uh okay so obviously you know you, last week we had Jose Urena uh throw at uh, Ronald Acuña Jr. and uh just because basically because Acuña has been like tearing the cover off the ball just he, I think he had homered in like 5 straight prior to is that is that still a common tactic in today's game like are guys still looking to cool off hot hitters by like dotting them in the back just just because uh, they're good
0: yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, I was watching MLB Network uh, yesterday. I believe it was, and Pedro was talking about it. and You know, they were talking about, you know, if if he would hit guys on purpose and stuff like that. And and, you know, the whole point, you know, even what does happen, it is you just can't let guys get comfortable. And Pedro was talking about, you know, if you're not going to pitch inside, then guys will lean over the plate and and take away that outside corner from you. Um, and that's more of what Pedro did. You know, you pitch inside with a purpose of. You know, sometimes the report on a guy is to throw it on the white line of the batter's box, you know. And mm-hmm. and if he's really aggressive, well, then you can't throw it on the plate and you go in off the plate on the white line. Um, and obviously once you get throwing it on the white line, you know, you're getting really close to, to actually hitting a guy. But, um, you know, you, you have to be able to throw inside. And that's one thing that uh, when I don't throw inside well, um, I'm going to struggle because, you know, my sinker into right is my best pitch. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily – uh, just hitting guys on purpose to to make them uncomfortable. You can do it in so many different ways. Uh, just elevating fastballs or, or throwing inside as well.
1: Yeah. Is there now? Is there like a is there a batter that you just and uh, we don't have to name names, but I would love it if you did. Uh, just a batter you hate facing because he just crowds the plate so much.
0: That's a good question. Uh, because he crowds the plate. Yeah. You know what? One guy that is is. An uncomfortable at bat uh, that I think I've only faced maybe a couple times. I might have been in the minor leagues, but Anthony Rizzo
1: I'd is see, I really was, on the dish. I was legitimately and his thinking him.
0: The strike zone. Yeah, because yeah. he, he, he hanging the strike zone. He's and all it's, over it's the tough plate. Have to really get in there. Yeah. Yep.
1: Have you faced him?
0: Uh, I can't remember if I faced him in because uh, he was with the Red Sox, I believe, in the minor leagues. Right. Um, I think I faced him in the minor leagues, but I don't remember him crowding the plate that much. Okay. Um, and I can't. I did face the Cubs a couple of years ago when they came to our place. So yeah, I have faced him, but it's been it's been a few years.
1: Yeah. What about um, another guy? I was going to ask, like Justin Turner. Justin Turner, I feel like is also just kind of sits all over on top of the plate.
0: The same thing with Turner is I faced him uh, when he was with the Mets in AAA uh-huh. uh, with Buffalo. Uh, I don't know that I've actually faced him in the big leagues, but. Uh, yeah he gets he gets his back put all over the the white line there in the box he kind of lands open uh so it, it kind of fools you a little bit but he's all over the dish too
1: okay now I gotta ask you what 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 is what are your feeling towards bat flips because I personally love them but also <laughs> you I love also bat flips. don't right Russell's
0: like saying it but you love bat flips
1: I love bat flips and but I also like I don't pitch to these guys like I'm not the ones like who they're like it's it's almost like baseball's version of getting dunked on you know like you don't want to be the guy in the poster unless you're the one dunking but as a pitcher you don't really have a choice like you're either going to be the guy getting bat flipped on or or not so as a pitcher do you like bat flips or are you like oh no I can't stand them.
0: Well, I'll, I'll take your scenario one step farther, and it is like getting dunked on, but being dunked on is getting the homer hit off of you, and the bat flip, especially when they try to make <laughs> eye contact, is them standing over top of you as you're laying yes. on the baseline. Yes. And normally that results in a technical foul. So, uh, baseball, we don't have technical fouls or flags for unsportsmanlike conduct, but, um, I mean, I think uh, at the end of the game, uh, you want know, to a walk-off win or something, um, you know, I think you can throw the bat as high as you want, just like guys throw their helmet. But, um, you know, for me, I think uh, it all kind of depends on the intent. You know, uh, a guy hit a homer off me a couple, maybe a couple weeks ago, and he uh, leaned a little bit on it and, and uh, enjoyed it a little bit and, you the next day, he was like, hey, man, I wasn't trying to show you up there because it's it's all about sportsmanship, and nobody wants to be shown up on the mound. and right. No hitter wants to be stared at and told to go back to the dugout every time they get struck out either. So uh, to me, it's just the intent uh, of why you're doing it, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. Now, you're also – I mean, I, I've seen you, when you're pitching, um, show like a little bit of emotion on the mound, you know, like after a big – like the, uh, a couple months ago, I think, or – like a month or two ago, you pitched. I think at Fenway, and yeah. <laughs> just you went like eight innings deep. Just had probably, I one of the best outings at least I've ever seen you pitch. Just uh, and after that eighth inning, you get it. You get a strikeout. I think you fanned Mookie Betts for for the the final strikeout, and you're walking off the mound. You know, you're just fist pumping. How much is too much uh, on on the opposite end for like a pitcher to show? emotion how much is it do you think uh it, you kind of showing up the batter in the on the flip side
0: yeah i think that's a definite possibility for sure and uh you know i think for me that's one reason why i you know pick my spots to show that emotion you know at the end of an inning or a big situation um you know i think it's probably the same thing um you know for a pitcher as it is a hitter you know i'm i'm not going to do that every out uh you know every every big strikeout i get just because it it's uh that's just not how I feel like that's the best way to, to strike out. But, uh, you know, when you're in a, a position like Fenway in a close game, uh, you know, I'm never going to do it if it's eight or nine to nothing. You know, never going to do it if I'm down six runs. So um, it's kind of all, all about the situation for me. Uh,
1: what about if, like, what about if, like, a guy, like, intercepts you for, like, the fourth or fifth time in, like, a pickup uh, football game? And he, like, you know, maybe, like, kind of spikes the football and, like, does a little dance. Is that – do you think that's taking it? Well,
0: if it's – yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to tackle a guy,
1: Would he- uh, <laughs> even if
0: it's flag football. So gonna- <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the enforcement of <laughs> conduct, and I'll move on, you know?
1: Okay. Well, as long as you just don't throw inside at my head or something, that's – I'm, I'm all right with that. That
0: would be my second invitation is, hey, let's go to the baseball field. <laughs> <laughs> Working on inside heaters, would you mind standing in on my bullpen?
1: Yeah, right, right. Yeah, uh, one now, of those. What, uh, what are your thoughts on a pitch clock?
0: Uh, not a fan of it, um, because I think especially late in the innings, um, you know, you got uh, the fans want to see the best product possible, and sometimes uh, standing there thinking about the pitch you want to throw is, is a little bit necessary, and, um, you know, so for me, I'd rather – I'd rather not have you know my closer being rushed on on deciding what pitch to throw second and third and two outs of two strikes on a guy. So um, and I think the fans you know want to see the best product as well. And whether the game's two hours and fifty five minutes or three hours and five minutes, uh, I don't think uh, they ultimately want to see their home team win and, and play well.
1: Right, right. I no, I agree. I think that's a, uh, I think that's a great point. Uh, now, are you a video game guy?
0: I am not. No. Okay,
1: I'm not. I'm not. I'm not huge into video games, except when it comes to like sports games, like Madden, NHL, uh, NCAA football. Rest in peace. Moment of silence for that. (laughs) Uh, But one of the games, one of my favorite games that I I just started playing like a year ago, MLB The Show, and I, I, I just, I'm so curious as to how realistic MLB The Show is to actually getting called up to the show. (laughs) And, yeah,
0: what's my what's my rating? Uh,
1: that I don't know. That's a great question. I should have.
0: Probably, it's probably pretty realistic. You shouldn't really know my rating. You should know guys like Corey Kluber and those guys. So if you don't know my rating, that's that's expected.
1: Well, listen, we've talked we've talked some about your career. Uh, I want to take a second to talk about my career. Um, I was drafted like maybe second or third round by the Washington Nationals, and mm-hmm. I absolutely mm-hmm. mashed in the minors. I'm talking like a 400 plus batting average. I was like Ted Williams on steroids, which but but not literally. I, I, you can't did you like, get suspended. Well, yeah, I was gonna say you can't really joke about <laughs> steroid usage, which uh, with uh, when it comes to Major League Baseball,
0: you, you kind of just did, but it's all right. I
1: know. Hey, oh, <laughs> uh, but uh, but so so then I realized I had my settings just set way too easy. So when I was called up to the majors, I made the game a little bit more difficult. Um, And and I still mashed because, I mean, I'm awesome. Uh, But after one year in the minors, I was called up and was protecting Bryce Harper in the lineup. And after the 2018 season, obviously, Bryce Harper signed with a new team because, you know, his his deal was up. And he's not going to stick around with the the Nationals because— he wants to, he wants to win a ring. Am I right? Um, and the team that he actually chose was the Minnesota Twins, oddly enough, um, which I thought was interesting. I didn't even know you guys were in the running for Bryce Harper, but here you are. Uh, I'm sure you probably had to your your virtual self. I probably had to take like a pay cut just to get him, but you know, hey, you get that run support. I, you know, you probably gladly do it, right? Um, uh, but yeah, so. So after a few seasons with the Nationals, I decided I wanted out. Why? Again, I wanted to win a ring, and, you know, the Nats just never get out of the first round. So I requested a trade, and I was hoping I would land with the Dodgers just because I wanted to play in Dodger Stadium and plus the beach or the virtual beach, which I guess I guess it would have been like Wave Race 64 or something, another video game. Uh, so I, I requested the trade, and I ended up getting one. But it was to the freaking Brewers, and no, this isn't a knock on the Brewers. I love the Brewers, but in the game they were terrible, and so I was stuck. Like I was an MVP. I had already won an MVP. Stuck on uh, on the this Brewers team, and they, you know, that it was it was just it was just awful. And now I can't get my agent to call me back to request another trade. So my question <laughs> to you is: all that buildup. Does your agent ever not call you for a long period of time like does that does that ever annoy the heck out of you?
0: I mean, what a build up for a question <laughs> um, I would say uh I would say no. I don't uh-huh. think that's normal. You might want to look for different different. I was gonna say, does your <laughs> do, 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 does your agent? Can, I'll send you my guys. I'll send you my guy's number after Yeah. The
1: yes. Ask him if he's got like a virtual, a virtual version of himself, so I could that, maybe hire that's him. A,
0: that's a new. Uh, that's a new department of his agency. He's about to open up, so you could be his first guy. You know, hey,
1: esports are blowing up. So I would, I would, you know, that wouldn't be a bad idea for yeah, him to uh, break into that world. You're not uh, lying. Now, uh, speaking of being traded to Milwaukee at the at the trade deadline, you were kind of rumored, you know, a little bit with, you know, maybe going to the Brewers or the Yankees. What's that like to like kind of hear yourself in these like rumors that are literally like life changing moments to where you'd have to like get up and, you know, pack your bags and move to like an entirely different company within a day, you know, around the deadline?
0: Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it kind of set in for the first time when I was listening to our local, uh, ESPN station up there one day driving to the field and that's what they were talking about. Like, do we trade Kyle Gibson or not? And, uh, that made it kind of weird, but, um, it also kind of made it a little bit more, uh, of a real thing, you know, like you hear a lot of trade rumors and, and you don't know really what's true and what's not true. Uh, what's a little bit of positioning, what's not. And, uh, yeah, that made it a little bit interesting at the time, but, um, honestly, I try to not think about it, try to not read anything on it, uh, which is incredibly difficult with social media these days. But um, you just leave your phone on ring and know that if you're getting traded, they'll find a way to get all of you.
1: Yeah, right. So, and now you've also got a family. You've got a wife and and, uh, do you have one kid?
0: Two kids, yeah. Two kids. A daughter, Hayden, and a son, Mills, yeah, four, one and a half.
1: So, like, I can't imagine what, what they're going through during that time too, right?
0: Yeah, it was tough. Uh, my, my daughter's favorite player is Brian Dozier, so uh, when I had to when I had to explain that Brian Dozier got traded, she goes, "Well, I bet the Twins will trade back for him in a couple of weeks." Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right, honey. maybe yeah. you're right. Then then you had to explain uh,
1: but, the the that it would be a uh, non waiver or it'd be a waiver trade deadline. Yeah. you know, and then <laughs> yeah. all the yeah. lo- logistics that go into that
0: yeah i mean it's uh some of it you know it's tough you know you have other kids that get traded you know like the zach duke and and his wife have have three kids and you know my daughter really got along with their kids and you know when they're not going to see him at the playroom anymore uh you know that's tough and but it's definitely uh it becomes real you know real life situation when stuff like that happens
1: man uh, yeah, seriously, because it's like, it, it, especially in my, in my line of work, it's like you know we throw out these hypotheticals all the time of just like, oh, yeah, let's just trade this guy. Let's just, uh, oh, this guy, oh, he's not performing, or, or or man, his trade value's never been higher. We need to get you know get him off and get some pieces exactly. for him. You don't like <laughs> you don't stop really to think about like, oh yeah, all everything that goes into it and how many people it affects. Just you know the people that get traded and then even the people that don't get traded, but their friends do. Like it's just. Uh, Crazy, yeah, how
0: they feel, you know.
1: Exactly, exactly. Hey, yeah. pitchers are people we're too, people you know. Too. Right,
0: are thinking the same. I like it. I we're love it. Too.
1: We are people too. We are thinking the same, which is which brings me back to flag football when we would think about where you were going to throw the football to. Anyway, all
0: right. How how, how many how many times are you going to bring that up? I honestly, it's like I, I kind of think. I kind of think that that was like ninety nine percent of the motivation behind this interview because you probably could have gotten any professional athlete to to be the first one on your podcast. Yeah, and you picked me because of all the interceptions at at uh, flag football.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. I could have gotten pretty much any athlete I wanted. I, in fact, I told Bryce, I, "Hey, could you wait a week? I've got uh, Bryce Harper." That is. Uh, yeah,
0: we'll we'll talk about your trade later. You yeah,
1: know? yeah. Listen, Bryce, uh, yeah. <laughs> I've got Kyle Gibson on this week. I really got to talk to him about. Uh, it's like the one. It's the one like athletic feat. I have in my life that I can claim like, and it's not even that a good of it's not that great of a, of a feat. It's like, it's like, Oh, Hey, you know, Kyle Gibson, the, you know, he pitches for the twins. Yeah. I, I once, uh, intercepted him a couple of times in a, uh, in, hold in on, backyard hold, on. Football. What
0: you, hold on. All the times you've brought it up today and you're now going to say it's not that great of a feat.
1: No, dude, I was just trying to make you feel better about yourself. That's one of the best. In fact, I would be so embarrassed if I was you that it was just like, man. (laughs) Man, I can't believe. I don't know how you sleep at night. Um, Anyway, okay, so in my opinion, the greatest baseball movie of all time is Little Big League. All right, don't at me. But you could, you know, and and other people can argue like Bull Durham or The Natural or Sandlot. But none of those movies had Kangaroo Jr. playing himself and mashing taters. Good point. Um so what I and obviously the the movie is centered around the Minnesota Twins. So I I I just got to thinking like what would you do if you came in one day and the team announced that a 12-year-old is going to be your new manager?
0: <laughs> uh you know what if he knows as much baseball as Billy Haywood does? <laughs> uh I think it'd be okay. Yes. You know. I love I mean that guy earned think I earned respect right away when he knew all that baseball knowledge.
1: Yeah, but honestly, Billy Haywood knew more about baseball than probably anyone in any baseball movie, and most people in just in regular life. Like he was, he was like a, uh, he was a, a an almanac of knowledge in that head of his. So yeah, I I I, th- I thought it was completely warranted that he got the job. And well, he he became owner of the team, and then he put he <laughs> named himself manager, which is. I mean, the bold move. That is a the bold. bold. Move. It
0: better work out. <laughs> if it doesn't work out, you're, right. you're looking like yeah. Uh, then do you like, smelling too rosy?
1: Right. Do you fire yourself? Like like. Well, I mean, I guess at the end of the at the end of the movie, spoiler he he warning. Worked. Yeah, he 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 said he did. So, all right. So would that be weirder? than, would it be weirder to have a 12 year old manager, or would it be weirder to have a 12 year old in the rotation with you, a la Rookie of the Year?
0: Ooh. <laughs> man uh probably uh probably weirder as the manager okay uh we've, we've got a couple we got a couple young guys in the rotation now um you know and sometimes sometimes uh no that'd be rude i can't say that about those guys yeah
1: some, sometimes they uh, act like I'll, I'll say it sometimes they <laughs> act like 12 year olds <laughs> am i right
0: no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding <laughs> no if uh if we could have uh It'd be weird to have a twelve-year-old throw that much harder than me. So that that would be the weird part. I don't think that'd be that wouldn't be fun.
1: You're in like pitching meetings and they're like sneaking playboys in and like eating candy yeah. and stuff. And you're just like, guys. Okay,
0: guys, listen. Henry Henry throws 105. <laughs> he can throw fastballs by these guys. You guys can't. You need to throw some sliders.
1: Can Can we talk about how ridiculous Rookie of the Year was just as a film?
0: I mean, it's pretty realistic. No, Did no. you see? Uh, there, we had a uh, Phil Hughes got uh, sent to the Padres, and he uh, he sent out a tweet a couple of weeks ago, and they went to Chicago asking the seat that Henry Rowan Gardner was sitting in, so he could go out and try the same thing. So I mean, oh, it's pretty realistic.
1: That yeah, right, right. Just it's like this kid. The thing that bugs me about that movie is he's the literally the most uncoordinated human being on planet Earth. At when the movie starts. And as clumsy as he was, he slips on a baseball, injures his arm. When he gets out of the cast, all of a sudden he's just, oh, yeah, he's not only can he throw a ball harder than he ever did, but he's also coordinated. And somehow (laughs) that translates to this really crappy mid-'90s Cubs team being terrible. But then he joins the team, and all of a sudden – they're just all really good. Like everyone, like like uh, the Jet Nick Nolte or um, or no Gary Busey, Gary Busey who plays the the Jet, all of a sudden just gets like you know his strength back and he becomes an ace pitcher again. Like that, the Cubs never would have. Oh, and plus also not to mention the fact that the movie never even even hints at the World Series. the 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 Cubs beat the Mets in the final game of the. Uh, you know, of the movie, and which is two National League teams. So clearly that's what, maybe the NLCS? <laughs> and then and then the very final shot is Henry Rowan Gardner flashing his really small World Series ring, and just like, and we're just supposed to believe, oh, yeah, oh, by the way, the biggest series of all of baseball, they just, they, yeah, they they won. Like, they just completely so, gloss over that aspect of it.
0: But he's clearly a player that makes the players around him better. So I, which that, that I can I can a get that thing by the way
1: I can get that that's like a, a spark real thing. spark plug type guy like yeah you see it like when Manny Ramirez you make the
0: players around you better right. that's what that's what Henry Rowan Gardner did
1: when Manny Ramirez joined the Dodgers in 2009 just completely you got it spark plugged the team and they they got to the playoffs and ultimately the NLCS because of it um you got it the, so I I can get that aspect of it but yeah it just I don't know. I there's just a lot of lot of holes in rookie of the year that just really really bother me.
0: <laughs> so that's why uh, that's why you don't like that movie as much. I understand.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Thank you. I just that's all I ask is just to be understood. Um, yep. Kyle, just a few random questions before I uh, before I let you go. Do you own one of those old school M twins hats like from like the Kirby Puckett days?
0: I do. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite twins hats that I have. Um, and, uh, still have it in my house in Fort Myers. Yes. Oh, Love it.
1: That, that, that to me is one of not just the best hat that the twins have, but it's, Absolutely. it's, I think it's one of the best hats in all of baseball. Like that's just a very underrated hat. It
0: uh, was, it was the hat that I wore, uh, when I first went up to Minnesota and, and met everybody after the draft.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then it's,
0: it's, uh, one of my favorites.
1: And then shortly after, they, they went away from it, though, right? Yes, they did. Ugh, gosh, you got it. Can you do me a favor? I don't know who you need to talk to up there, but can you ask just to bring that hat back?
0: I don't know if I have enough pull, um, but uh, if you would like one, send me your size, and we'll uh, we'll find one. Okay. <laughs> but I don't know that I can get it incorporated back into our uniform combinations. Well, I think they're pretty committed to the TC.
1: I'll say this. What? Let's see here. You... You start what 30 thirty-ish, thirty-five games a year, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have more pool than you uh, than you believe. All right, you you could. Well,
0: you, I only, but you could also think of that. I only play thirty-five of our hundred and sixty-two games, so I really don't have that much.
1: Pool. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying, like, uh, you know, thirty-five games. That's well within, you know, you, let's say you just go out there and you lose all your starts on purpose. That's the diff- yeah. That could be the difference in a, a division race, you know. So That's,
0: uh, that sounds like I won't have a job.
1: Well, if I'm the twins, I'm like, oh, all he all he needs is to is to for us to reincorporate these hats back into our uniform. Okay, fine, we'll do it. Like just. Start pitching like your three point five one ERA <laughs> like you did in twenty eighteen, and we'll we'll do it, man. Anything you say. So yeah, let's let's not sell ourselves short there, Kyle. You've got you've got more right. pull than than I think uh, you give yourself uh, credit for.
0: <laughs> we'll see. We'll uh, see.
1: In your off days, who's your go to guy to sit next to on the bench?
0: Uh, normally the other starting pitchers, uh, Jake Oderizzi, um. And then now the two young pups that we got, Stephen Gonzalez and Cole Stewart, they got a lot of questions. So you always have to be available um, to keep them out of trouble and to to keep them on task, you know?
1: Yeah, a lot of questions. Yeah, nice excuse. No, just admit it. You guys are very clicky and the rest of the team. like.
0: We kind of are. We are kind of clicky. You know, the the relievers all sit in the bullpen. They never sit in the dugout. And uh, the position players – Really, just kind of envy the life of a starter, honestly, because we only have to play one out of every five days. So um, there, there's some dissension for sure.
1: Yeah, no, I will say that is pretty nice, dude. Like that's <laughs> it's,
0: it's a pretty good gig.
1: Yeah, I'll say like that. Like, you know, we, we talk about a lot, especially here uh, in St. Louis. We talk a lot about how, like, Chase Daniel, a guy that you know was at Mizzou when we were there. Um, how nice his gig is to be the backup quarterback and to, you know, get, you know, the contracts that he's gotten. And, you know, he's got a Super Bowl ring and everything. Um, yeah, he's doing it. But I would say that the life of a starting pitcher is pretty sweet as well because, you know, like you're still getting out there and working, but only, uh, like, you know, maybe maybe twice a week
0: tops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, It's uh, I think it's one of the best jobs in the world. I love it.
1: Now, tell me this. So – you know like uh, so the Cy Young award named after Cy Young Cy Young pitched more innings than any pitcher in the history of baseball mm-hmm. more wins he was good. more losses too uh, but he like back in the day pitchers used to pitch you know upwards like multiple times a week sometimes you know like two games and a doubleheader and types of things like but today nowadays you know we're on pitch counts and we're you know we're we're mm-hmm. resting arms and but at the same time, modern medicine today and training regimens and everything like that is better. So am I can, – can you help put some thought into this with me? Like I don't understand like how – and you as a pitcher, I mean it's obviously your arm that's going through this work all the time. So you probably can answer this better than I can. But how is it that you know medicine and everything today is getting better but pitchers are almost seemingly pitching less?
0: Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Uh, I think part of it has to do with um, how good the bullpens are. Uh, you know, obviously, I don't know how good the bullpens were you know around that time, but uh, you know, we've got a lot of guys. You know, most of their hardest throwers are in the bullpen with with a nasty breaking ball or also you you know with it. Um, and I guess just as they've as they've looked into uh, the use of bullpen arms, you know, they found that once a pitcher gets to a certain distance into the game i guess the, the reliever becomes the go-to guy so um you know that's that's the way the royals won the world series and that's how teams are starting to actually of their pitching staff is, is the way the royals did it, and get you uh three or four shut down arms and and get into that seventh inning with a lead and win the game
1: does that does it just worry the heck out of you whenever like you know you're pitching a great game and then all of a sudden the you know the ball is like, but the, the score is tight and the ball is handed over to your bullpen. Uh,
0: no, that's uh, that's. You know what? If I don't get the, the, let me see how I can phrase this. If I don't get farther into the game, more than likely it was my own fault for uh, pitch count or whatever like that. And uh, you know you can't you can't be taken out of a game and and worried about what the bullpen is going to do. Um, you know because. They are just like me, you know what I mean they're gonna give up runs every now and then, and they're gonna put up a lot of zeros every now and then too, so um yeah you don't you don't really worry about it, you just let the game go and and uh you know the at the end of the day, everybody just wants a team win anyways, regardless of you know how many runs you give
1: up all right that's a that's a that's a good answer that's the uh it's actually on me it's not my it, it's my fault that I didn't go deeper into the game i I can respect that Kyle um, yeah I
0: mean if I only get through five minutes with a hundred pitches you know. They always say if you don't like it, pitch better. So (laughs) I should have just pitched better.
1: Yeah, right. Now, uh, Kyle, do they have big league chew and big league dugouts, or is it just double bubble?
0: Great question. Uh, Mostly double bubble. I don't know if that's a corporate partnership, but uh, every now and then uh, they do have some big league chew as well. But it's not the same. It's it's uh, the double bubble style, so a piece instead of the shredded. Double, oh, uh, shredded big
1: league chew. Weird. I didn't even know they had that. I mean, I thought I thought part of yeah. the uh, big league chew, like just mantra, was that like you're putting a big thing of chaw like in your lip.
0: No, no, they have uh, they have the, the individual pieces now.
1: Wow. And individual
0: wrappers. Yep. Man, I yeah, really lost the uh, the history behind it. Yeah,
1: 2018, huh? You know, like they yeah. they want to get kids off that fake tobacco. Yeah. But- <laughs> Now, Correct. if you if you could choose what gum was stocked in the dugout, what would you go with?
0: Oh man!
1: Maybe like some like a great bazooka or some bubblelicious.
0: Um. Yeah, let's go with bazooka. What a what an old time, you know, tradition to get a little comic at the end of it. You know, read <laughs> yes. comic.
1: See what's going on and try to collect the whole set. Yes, yes. Yeah, very underrated. You know, the comic is, because not only are you getting a nice chew out of it, but you're getting, you know, you're getting a a little bit of entertainment as well.
0: Exactly, exactly. See, I I personally,
1: personally, I would go with bubble tape, you know, and so you could just like pull it and pull it. You could probably feed like two or three guys. Or,
0: I completely forgot about that. Right,
1: people. That's yeah. a good one. Bubble tape was was awesome, and it you could like you know just measure measure things with it. Think of like you know like on the uh, you know there's a lot of downtime in baseball, obviously, and all the um, you know all, all the things that you guys do in the dugout just to kind of pass time and like you know long games or double headers, things like that. Think of all the fun you could have with bubble tape.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, there's probably a reason they don't have that in the
1: dugout. Yeah. The I mean, there, yeah, there, pro- <laughs> there probably is. But let's, I mean, yeah. hey, you know, if we can brush aside everything that's wrong with rookie of the year, we can brush aside, you know, everything that we could go wrong stay, with bubble we tape. We do have
0: to stay focused. you right. yeah, We do have to try, to try to maintain focus on the task at hand.
1: All right, so Kyle, on your to-do list, bring back the M hat from the Minnesota Twins and try and get bubble tape into the Twins uh, dugout.
0: I'll
1: do my best. Um, just a couple more questions. Everyone knows Minnesota is the land of ten thousand lakes. I'm going to list them off one by one, and I want you to tell me which ones you've been to. No, I, I'm joking. Oh my. Uh, <laughs> you, you've you've uh, you've gotten Tommy John surgery. How bad did that uh-huh. suck? Uh,
0: you know what? Um, the worst part about it was they took my hamstring and uh i actually had just a ripped hamstring uh for oh. the first like six weeks and uh that was by far the worst part my elbow didn't hardly uh hurt for the most part other than being a little tight but wow the the torn hamstring was unbelievably painful
1: Jeez. so what so you go under the knife how long until you can even like
2: you like use your arm again
0: Uh, I was in, uh, I was in one of those, uh, robotic arm braces, kind of like Henry Roland Gartner, um, for about, gosh, I want to say it was a good eight weeks. Uh, now I could take it off and do some rehab, but, uh, didn't start throwing until like four months in and, uh, a lot of shoulder work and, and a lot of, a lot of forearm work and, and grip work, you know, in that first couple months, just trying to get some strength back in it before you, uh, actually start throwing again.
1: Uh, uh do you feel like you throw better after the surgery
0: uh i mean i don't know i think you know every now and then obviously you hear the stories of guys you know gaining two or three mile an hour um you know i I think a lot of that is the shoulder program that you go on um and i i would say my velocity went up a little bit after surgery um but i don't know how much it has to do with uh the henry rowan gardner tight elbow ligament or uh (laughs) what it has to do with uh a rock and roll shoulder program, so it's,
1: it's probably a combination of both. Okay. All right. Now, a few uh, rapid-fire questions. Just you can give me one-word answers on these. All right. Okay. Favorite stadium to pitch in. Bush. Ooh, nice. Okay. You, just,
0: you just want one word, right? Now. Yeah. No, that's good. Okay. I mean, if okay. it's a,
1: if it's a two-word stadium, you can say both words.
0: But I'm going to go – I went Road Stadium, you know, like I mean yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. like right. right. Probably the best, but yeah, no, no, no. Favorite uh, Road Stadium.
1: Okay. No, least favorite stadium to pitch in.
0: Uh Tropicana.
1: Mm. Uh in your mind, who is the most exciting batter you've ever faced?
0: Oof, man. Um, Trout.
1: Ooh, it's It's really
0: weird giving one more answer. Mike Trout.
1: Okay, yeah, you can say. All right, like just like let's keep it five words or less. I guess. Uh, Who is who was the most who was the batter that you got most excited to strike out?
0: Uh, Albert Pujols. But there's a backstory. There's a backstory. Okay. So obviously, 2006. Sorry, this is going to come way more than five words.
2: Uh,
0: 2006, right. St. Louis Cardinals won the World Series. I'm a freshman in Missouri. I showed up to Missouri as a Cubs fan because of a buddy who played for the Cubs. I despised about everybody in the South Dorm because of how excited they were over the Cardinals winning. My family, uh, my in-laws, excuse me, all Cardinals fans, uh, when I get drafted by the Twins, oh, well, what, what's going to happen when you face Albert Pujols? He's probably going to hit a homer. That well, now I'm going to strike him out. Uh, in the first game against the Angels, actually both happened. I struck him out first at bat. He, he went deep at second at bat. So, uh, <laughs> both outcomes actually happened in the first game.
1: Right, but nobody cares about the second at bat. Everyone cares about that first at bat. And uh, you got the best you of Big be Al. You would be
0: amazed. You would be amazed at the text messages I got about the second at bat. Don't you worry about
1: that. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that would that would really suck. Just you know getting albert taking you deep from all these all these Cardinals fans just hitting you up that
0: you feel like you're on top of the world one at bat, because right. I remembered exactly those conversations I had seven years prior right and uh and then he takes you deep, just like Big Albert does, you know oh my he's just gosh. a pro all
1: right so uh uh I guess this isn't really five words or less, but uh what's your favorite memory of baseball ever? I'm talking little league up until now.
0: Uh, probably, man. Probably my favorite is my first over the fence home run when I was twelve.
1: Okay, nice. No, I I was,
0: I was I was kind of a scrawny little guy, and uh, pretty skinny, not very strong. So when I actually hit it over the fence, uh, I was I was pretty excited.
1: Yeah, yeah, right, scrawny little guy. Yeah, no, okay, Shohei Otani. It's only the more we talk, the more I'm, like, seeing, like, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, I was just a slap hitter. I didn't have much power. And then, yeah, you're hitting home runs when you're 12 years old, dude. Uh,
0: so that was, I had, like, two home runs a year, and a kid on our team had 30. So you tell me who was the Shohei Otani?
1: Well, you pitched. So. Wasn't this guy. No? Okay. Uh, what's one thing that you really want to accomplish in your major league career?
0: Man, um, you know, obviously the World Series is kind of a, that's the pinnacle, you know, I'm trying to, as a team, you know, accomplish that together. Okay. Um, What's
1: one non cliche thing you want to accomplish from your career?
0: Um, <laughs> gosh. I don't know. I, I, uh, I really love PFPs and I really love taking, uh, ground balls. I used to be a shortstop, uh, before I became a pitcher only. And, uh, I don't know. I think winning a gold glove would be pretty fun. Um, but, I don't know. Winning a silver slugger might be pretty cool, too. Right? If uh, Maybe we can get rid of the DH in the American League and let pitchers sit in the American League and then have a chance. And you got a guy like Max Scherzer hitting 300 this year.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm sure that'll happen. It's pretty easy to just get the uh, American League. You'll have an easier time getting those M hats back than we would getting the DH out of the American League. uh <laughs> All right, final rapid-fire question. Uh, what's the best interview you ever sat through?
0: That I ever sat through? Like listening to somebody's interview or doing one like Do, that?
1: Doing one. What is the best interview you've ever uh, been been interviewed by? Who's the best person that's ever interviewed you?
0: How much silence is appropriate for uh, a podcast?
1: All right, that's uh, – okay.
0: <laughs> you know, some uh, – You know what? You know what? Every interview is a little bit different. And uh, and you know some of them are really enjoyable because you because you talk you know like specifics about pitching. Mm-hmm. I really I really enjoy like talking like you know specific about mechanics or you know what I'm trying to do on the mound with my mindset. Um, but the, I mean, I also I love you know trying to do interviews about you know charities and bring awareness and stuff. So I mean, you have you have different interviews that are that are very different. But interviews like this where you know it's it's you know one. Tenth about baseball and nine tenths about other fun stuff, uh, you know brings brings a, a little different you know break, you know from from doing interviews all the time. So it's it's a uh, these interviews have their own special spot uh, in uh, the interview archives.
1: All right, so five words or less, I would assume this one, the <laughs> the show with Austin Huff. That's five words, dude. Kyle, some people call him. The Clayton Kershaw of the Minnesota Twins. No, I call Clayton Kershaw the Kyle Gibson of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh my gosh. Gibby Dude, you are a really good dude. Uh I really appreciate you taking the time to to talk with me and to join me and everything and all your support just over the years. Uh, if you ever come through the three one four this offseason, please hit me up. And uh to all the listeners. Please follow him on Twitter at kgib44. That's kgib44 playing the playing all the hits from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, <laughs> and today. Uh, Kyle, I'm obsessed with baseball, so talking to you was a real treat. Um, thank you for putting up with my questions and best of luck the rest of the season man i'm really excited've i've loved getting to watch you pitch and and getting to see you just excel and you're really tearing it up this year which is has been such a uh, joy to watch so please keep it up and uh yeah Thanks, brother. thank
0: you dude appreciate you having me on man good good catching up hey good l- too long.
1: good luck and uh keep rocking and uh and maybe uh keep your hands on a baseball and not a football
0: yeah we'll do <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, that does it for episode four. Again, my special thanks goes out to Kyle Gibson. Go Kyle, go twins. And my thanks goes out to you for listening and downloading this podcast. Again, please subscribe, rate, review. Salmon swimming backwards. Again, that's salmon swimming backwards. Or you could just let me know what you think. You can tweet at me. I'm at Austin Huff, and I'll do my best to interact with you there. But as for me, this week, Seacrest out.
2: This is the end of the show. If you made it this far, you're probably Austin's mom. Thanks for listening.